you, would you please give a big life spring welcome to Pastor Joe Bowman. Life spring. This is a, a miracle for us as well. Um, I grew up a holy rolling Pentecostal. No, for real, like, like purge and stay there till you get the Holy Ghost and then come and then carry you to the car type Holy Ghost. Like, <laughs> like that's how I grew up. And then, then my parents put me in these Christian schools. And so I had this traditional idea of what church was and then learned what mainstream church ministry was like and found my heart for both. And for 12 years pastoring this church, if I'm 100% transparent, I have worked so hard to build a church that looks like heaven. I said, God, when we get to heaven, we're going to be together, so why can't we do it in the earth? Why is Sunday the most segregated day of the week? What's up? And when I came out of business school and answered a yes to God, made a deal with him, said, okay, okay, listen, I'm not taking out any more school loans. If you want me to do this and you want me to go to seminary, you're going to have to pay for it because I'm out. But I will say yes. And this Pentecostal boy got tons of scholarships from the Lutheran Brotherhood. And just like, only God does stuff like that. It's like the Lutherans put me through school. (laughs) But I never lost my fire. And I said, I feel like most days that I'm not Hebrew enough to be Egyptian and not Egyptian enough to be Hebrew. I feel like Moses. I said, God... I'll say yes, but my church needs to look like heaven. And for 12 years, my church is on the chocolate side, and we love milk chocolate. How many like milk chocolate in here? And I love it, and God has blessed us, and he loves us, and he has advanced us. But I always had that deep thing in my heart to God. You said the church would look like heaven. And in the midst of pandemic and crisis, God sent us life spring. And look at our church today. 9.30 and 1 o'clock. White chocolate, dark chocolate. You choose. Whatever you want. We're in the same building. We're worshiping together. We're, we're together. Our hearts are together. And we're spirit-filled. It's not like this pretentious thing. Like, we're, we're here to give God the honor and the glory and the praise. And we're looking for him to do miracles and signs and wonders, and we're not going to stop praising until he does it in our lives. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this house, and we will worship him. We will adore him. He is mighty. He is... And listen, I'm so ecstatic to have a brother from another mother named Pastor Dan And he has truly been a brother. We have prayed in this church and in our offices. And I felt release and breakthrough and Pastor Mary and the entire staff. And I'm just so grateful. You you don't know how my heart is overwhelmed 
And just to be back in the sanctuary worshiping. It's been like 16 weeks since I've been in a worship service. And to be here with you is such a blessing. I just want to be obedient to the Lord. I feel like the Lord wants to heal someone today. If you stand in need of healing, I want you to stand. You need to stand in need of healing. And listen, before you stand, someone in here in particular needs healing from mental health. And you're not going to be shamed or embarrassed, but today is going to be the day that God sets you free. So if that's you, anyone stand. You stand in need of healing. Because one thing I know about worship, it is our submission to the Lord to respond. He inhabits the praises of his people. No praise is ever wasted if it's sincere. And we've lifted praises to him, and in exchange for that, we're asking him to come and sup with us and to sit with us in his presence. I see many of you, many of you, raise your hands high as you can get them. Father, we thank you for the healing virtue that flows in this house right now. We bless you now. We thank you for healing. Say, I receive my healing. Say it. Come on, praise like you mean it. I receive my healing. I receive it. I receive. I receive. I receive. Because you love us, you want what's best for us. You want what's best for us. Some of us are in these situations because we, we just refuse to forgive someone, and we, we release them today, the people that are holding us. We release them, and we walk in freedom. I'm here to encourage you that you're not being punished, that the Lord loves you, and through it all, he's been with you. But now your testimony has to be great and strong. Do not be like Hezekiah and show all your awards and trophies, but make sure you tell people when they ask that it is God's doing, and it's marvelous in my eyes. Thank you for those that you're healing right now. Thank you for those. Thank you for those. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Heal, heal, heal. Heal, God. Sweet presence of the Holy Ghost. Fall fresh on us. Thank you, Jesus. 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 That's it. Somebody's receiving. I believe it. Come on. Receive, receive. I praise you. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you. You didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you for sound-mindedness. Thank you, Father. Those of you watching online, this is for you as well. If you're in your living room or in your car, wherever you are, lift your hand. The Lord will meet you right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, God. Praise Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how you love. You love us. Oh, how you love us. Oh,
Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Thank you, Lord. Receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, I'm so glad to be here today. I've said that already, but I am super ecstatic because I believe God is doing something so miraculous that we can't even imagine what it is. Pastor Dan and I, around the 4th of July, I spoke to him and said, I'm going to use my freedom and liberty to choose brotherhood. I'm going to use my freedom and liberties to choose brotherhood, and we're seeing that come to life. But today I want to talk to you about overcoming disappointment. Disappointment. I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse When you're a kid and you come home and you've done something you know you're not supposed to have done, and you stand before your parents and you look them in the eyes and they say these three words, I'm so disappointed. The nastiness and the ugliness that you feel when you go back to your room is just like, ugh. It's hard for us to overcome that unless we have love that counteracts that disappointment in the people that we love and esteem. As we grow up, we see different things happen in our lives. And there's one little thing that is so disappointing to me is when you call the Costco pizza deli and you tell them, I want a half cheese and I want a half pepperoni sausage pizza. What is your name? My name is Joe. I will be there in 10 minutes. You walk to the counter and you get your pizza. You get it home and you realize that whoever was the pizza slicer failed their duties to cut the slices all the way through. And so now you have to go and cut the pizza. And you're like, that's the only problem you have? (laughs) No. But it makes you so disappointed. So disappointed. I am a Costco member, black card member, and you can't cut the pizza. So people are disappointed in us, and sometimes we're disappointed in others. But what happens, honestly and truly, when you become disappointed with God? And that is a hard conversation for Christians to have. 
It really is. What happens when your dad calls you at 65 years old, a thriving life, and says, I have a little bump on my small palate in the back of my mouth, and what that little bump turns into is oral carcinoma that eventually takes his life. Got to say, God, you use me. I've seen people healed time and time again. I pray for my dad, and you decided to take him. And why I know you're sovereign, I've just got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed. Man, it hurts. Right now, my mom at 67 years old had an amputation. She had a small little thing on her foot that infected, and she's been a diabetic for many years, and it spread across the top of her foot, which led to an amputation August 1st of 2019. And to this moment, to this day, she's still in a long-term health facility. And now elements of dementia have set in, and I said, God, I've seen you. I've seen this woman serve you with all of her heart, play the piano, teach school, principal schools. And one year ago, she was a principal working in a school, and today, half the time, she doesn't know where she is, time or space. Come on, God. But I'm here to let you know something. And we will never be disappointed in God. We may be disappointed in others, but God has been so faithful that we can never be disappointed in him. Well, Pastor Joe, you just triggered some thoughts, and I got a few things on my list, and I'm thinking about, and I'm telling you what, I've, I've got some questions, and you may have some questions, and he's a loving God, and he's a loving Father, and we can ask him questions, and we can come before him, and we can say our concerns and our woes and the things that hurt our heart, but never be disappointed in him. My lovely wife of 23 years, we prayed for children. It took us 10 years to have the first one, and we were so happy and I'm going to date myself here. We went on MySpace to tell, our, <laughs> to tell our story. The Bowmans are pregnant after 10 years, and the whole world was rejoicing. And yes, they finally are having a baby, and it's so wonderful. We didn't know that that first son that God had promised was going to come at 24 weeks and be in the hospital 105 days. We didn't know that. They said, if he, if he lives for three hours, that's going to be good. I said, well, you could have used any other number but three because Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is with us. I believe it. And then they said three days. I said, if you stay in the vein of three, my faith will be elevated. So keep talking threes. And then I brought him to church today. He's 13. He's 5'10", 200 and something pounds. He's almost as big as I am. So in the midst of our disappointment, we've got to see how much victory we've had in our lives. How much victory we've had in our lives. Pastor Chuck, i got to say this to you because it keeps, it keeps coming to me as I'm trying to preach this message. Your work is not done. You have more work to do. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not a relic. You're not done. You have more wisdom to impart. Yes. Praise God for you. So let's go to the Word of God. I'm going to go to Isaiah 40. You love this passage, right? There's a, there's a scripture in here that I don't know if you caught because for many years I've been reading this passage. I want to thank those who are here from Integrity Life Church with me, Alicia Dawson, our intercessory prayer team leader, Ben Singleton, there he is, our media team leader, and Kai Robinson, our ushers and greeters. 
staff, anybody else I didn't see or catch in here? God bless you. Thank you. The word says, verse 25, to whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. No one, not, not one of them is missing. Who do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, so we can exchange our weariness for his strength. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Wow. So when I'm weary, I can be strengthened. And when I lack might, he increases my power. Really? Though youths grow weary and tired, and the vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Don't you know that when you're weary, I'm strongest in you? Don't you know when you're broken, I'm closer to you? We're tripping out because we missed devotion yesterday. Like, you think you're going to hell because you missed devotion yesterday. And he's saying, you missed a devotion, but your heart was there, so I still came close to you. Don't miss another one. But, <laughs> but you get my point. But let's go back to verse 27. Verse 27 says, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God. Why do you say that I'm overlooking your situation? Why is it that you think that I don't care about what's going on with you? Why is it the fact that we reference the people of old, that God, you did it for them, but it doesn't seem like you're doing it for me? What's going on? Why can't I get breakthrough in these areas? The people of God are reproved for their unbelief and their distant, distant trust in God. Now, now understand this. The prophet came to speak to their disobedience, but there's still a word of encouragement. In the first 39 chapters is this element of judgment. Now we're shifting from judgment to comfort. And sometimes it's hard to shift from judgment to comfort. Because when you get your mind around the pieces of judgment that are in your life and the shame and the guilt and the things that hold us bound, we can't get free because we see those things in our past more than the power of our present. God is saying, I want you to see me right now. I don't want you to talk about what I've said. I want you to talk about what I'm saying. I want you to feel the power of the Spirit now. I'm doing something new in you. You heard the word over the worship. I'm doing something new in you, so I want you to gravitate toward what's new, not what you have held on to from many years ago. And if I be honest with you, many of us are holding on to our grandma's salvation or generations prior, and mom went to church, so I'm going to church. But God wants a relationship with you. He wants you and him to be front and center. And in the midst of what we bring to him, sometimes like verse 27, we say, all right, you did it for Jacob and you did it for Israel, the same person. But I like the fact that, listen, listen, Jacob 
is always mentioned, not, Jacob and Israel are always mentioned pretty close together. His new name was Israel. His real name was Jacob. When I say real, I'm talking about that horrible hymn. And what I want you to do today is I don't want you to close any chapters in your book that may not be so uh, worth reading. What I mean by that is I don't want you to close any chapter in your book that many people need to hear the testimony of where you come from, not just how victorious you are in this season. They need to know where you came from. They need to know how, how horrible you were and all those things. And really, it wasn't that horrible. It's the fact that we weren't connected to God. And so when God breathed life into us, then we begin to live a new life. And I want you to see that God is using all parts of your book and every chapter that you've, that's been written in your life. He wants to, to be a testimony to many others. But for those of you who are discouraged and you're saying, my way is hidden from the Lord and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God, I want you to know that he's heard, he's seen, and he's doing greater things in you. Is it bad to have evil thoughts rise in our minds? It happens. I heard an old preacher say, if a bird lands, shoo him off, but my God, don't let him build a nest. Don't let those thoughts just hang on to you. The power of Satan will work to hold us. See, they imagine that God didn't take notice of them. Since nothing was being opened for them in terms of deliverance, they foolishly thought and confessed, judgment is passed over me from God. He's overlooked me. He's overlooked me. I've been praying for this thing so long. It's not coming to pass. Mm -mm. My cause has been neglected. He doesn't undertake for my cause. He doesn't understand. Uh, nor does he plead against my enemies or right my wrongs and avenge the injuries done to me or deliver me out of the hand of those that contend with me. Can I get some help here? God, please help me. Where are you? I'm still worshiping. I'm tithing. I'm being faithful, but you're not with me. Where are you? Anybody ever ask this question? Talk about social justice. Wow. In the climate of America right now, we're so apart in social justice. Your pastor had the boldness enough to stand here and say, we're going to do better as a congregation. And I respect him for that. I've been called by pastors all over the country to come and talk on their platforms, and I've refused them because they, none of them have been like your pastor to stand firm and say, we're going to get better, and we're going to change, and we're going to advance forward in the name of Jesus and not have color, color be a barrier. He took that stance of boldness, and I know it wasn't easy for him, and some, it wasn't easy for some of you, if we be honest, but I appreciated his heart for building the kingdom. Social justice? Oh, man. Man, God, you've... Man, I don't, I don't know. My, my boys are eight, nine years old, and they already have been trained how to conduct themselves if we get pulled over by police because none of the police officers in most cases want to learn who I am before they understand what they're profiling. And I don't think we should defund the police because if I call them, I need them. 
And I'm not standing on this platform to build any political ideas. I'm just speaking the truth, and I want you to hear my heart. But you talk about being disappoint, disappointed by God, 400 years of oppression on people of color. It feels like we've been left out of a scenario sometimes. But in the midst of it all, I see God's hand and his handiwork. And I will not charge God foolishly because something circumstantial is standing up in my face. I will remain constant. I will remain in him. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. You you know he's going to come through for you, right? You you know he's going to see you through it. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't turn out the way we think it should turn out, we get eternity with him. (laughs) We get eternity with him. We're holding on to this old world. We're doing everything. We're doing everything. I, I know I am. At 45 years young, I'm trying everything. I mean, anything they advertise. I mean, come on, man. Give it to me. Give it to me. I mean, grape juice, whatever. Okay. Coke Q10, I'll take it. <laughs> whatever. Because we do a lot to preserve this. But this is decaying. This is aging. This is, I want to preserve this. And even if this decays, this won't ever decay. I always have this conversation with people. They say, well, yeah, I'm a good person. And I'm like, no, are you saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is he, is he Lord over your life? Well, you know, I don't go to church much. No, no, are you saved? The, the, the church is where God's people gather, but we're the church before we walk in the door. Are you saved? Well, you know, and then I'm always flabbergasted. Why would you want to go to heaven and spend eternity with someone you never spent time with while you were living? (laughs) Why would you want to spend an eternity worshiping someone you never spent time with? It's not to be judgmental. It's just really that I'm, what I'm praying for for our churches is that we don't just be, we just don't become 47 miles wide and two inches deep. I would like to see us go 47 feet deep and, and, and maybe two inches wide. Not that we want to close the gap on how many people can come. We want, to, we want many to come, but the reality is it's like God is seeking a relationship with us because we walk in disappointment really and truly because we have the wrong measurement and we have the wrong guide. Go to the first slide. Go to the first slide. Listen, I think this is one of the, one of the number one things that, that works against us. Go to the slide with the lies, please. Thank you, Rick. You're amazing, man. One of the lies is, I am what I do. How many of you are in here like that? Yep, I am what I do. What do you do? Oh, I love when you ask that question. Well, you know, I do this and do this, and I have this degree, and I do this and this, and at the end of the day, it triggers power and control. If we're honest, I want you to raise with a pinky finger. We all like to be in control a little bit, right? How many control freaks do we have in here? Deliverance for you right now in the name of Jesus. You are delivered. I am what I do. I am what I do. Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11, Jesus is, he's fasted. The devil, and listen, 
I know the, the way the text reads, but I want to make sure you have a good understanding. I know you're Bible readers. He didn't take, the devil didn't take Jesus anywhere. Jesus went willingly. But he, he, in the midst of his fast, he's like, he's had this conversation with him. And how many, how many of you, like, fasting is like the great crucible. Like, it's like being hung on the cross. Like, for me, food is, <laughs> I, I mean, I have the evidence. I mean, I mean uh, man, like, fasting is always tough, but God wants it from us. And I think Satan really works on us when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired. And the lie is, do what you do because it validates your identity. I am what I do, which triggers power and control in me. I means I'm in control, I'm self-sufficient. And then what Jesus has this temptation to say, Satan says, tell those stones to become bread. And how does Jesus respond? I love it, with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And how should we react when we feel that moment coming over us? How should we pray? We should be in stillness. Father, I surrender my heart to you again. Make me new. Make me new. Make me over. I am what I do. What's amazing in the chapter prior, we see this beautiful motion picture, the first one of all time. Jesus and John are hanging out in the water in the Sea of Galilee, and I've been baptized in that water, and it is cold. My goodness, it is cold. But Jesus is there. He's baptized, goes down. John raises him up, and then this whole thing, the heavens open up, the dove comes down, and God says before he does one thing, you're my son, and I'm well pleased in you. You don't have to do anything to be great in me. Just because you are my son, I'm greatly appreciative. I'm greatly proud of you, and things in you are going to be as a result of you being in me. I'm giving you confirmation. I'm giving you affirmation. So what you do is not who you are. Power belongs to me. Control belongs to me. And so any person trying to thwart your identity in me, just tell them, don't worry about it. I know who I am. I know who I am. Go to the next slide, please, Rick. Another lie. I am what others say or think about me. How many of you live on the borders of compassion and then one street over is people-pleasing? I am what others say or think about me. And all we really want is affection and esteem. And God has already given us that. He's affirmed us. And Jesus is tempted by Satan to perform. Perform. Go ahead and perform. Go ahead and throw yourself down because the Bible says that he'll give his angels charge over you. Remember Psalm 91? Go ahead and throw yourself. It's not worth it. I don't have anything to prove to you. And all I'm trying to build here is that these lies trigger our disappointment. These lies. What do we do? Solitude. Just me and you. I get my affection and esteem from you. See, my faith isn't based on what I see. My faith is based on who God is. You hear that? 
My faith isn't based on what I see. My faith is based on who God is. Lord, if you say it, I believe it. Through disappointment, I'll still believe it. Because I'll fly with wings like eagles. Have you seen the eagles that fly over this church? Oh, my gosh. I almost had to call State Farm because I almost threw my car into the bark. <laughs> Just watching the majesty of the eagle and stretching out their wings. And then one day, Mom was giving a lesson to the eaglets and dropping them and coming down and swooping them up. I said, oh, my goodness. This is what you do when we wait on you. We get this kind of strength. We get dominance in the air. All other birds go away. And eagles don't hang with chickens, if you didn't know that. Because <laughs> sometimes our solitude and our stillness and our disappointment builds on the fact that we hang out with chicken people and we have, ele- we, we have uh, eagle mentality. And we're hanging out with chicken mentality and we don't expect chicken to get on us. You can't hang with chickens if you're an eagle. I'm going to fly with wings. Then I'm going to run and not be weary. The momentum of my flying, when I land, I'll have some momentum, something pushing me in the back to move forward. I'm going to run and not be weary. But sometimes in life when the momentum stops and everything slows, I've got to walk and not faint. How many athletes do we have in here? Organized sports. You played organized sports. And your coach just runs you into the ground like where you've switched off anything physical and it's all mental now? Like you're running, you're running so hard and you're like, if I can just stay up and not fall, and God says I'm with you in that as well. Go to the final slide, Rick, please. Yes. When we get to this point, we want to ask God to search us. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me. Search me. Search my heart. What's the next scripture there? All right. Okay, we did that one. Go to the, let's see. There we go. Then we have to ask the Lord to repair our fractured trust. Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall make your path straight. Man, it's amazing. Go to the final slide. Final lie is, I am what I have. I am what I have. How many of us find security and survival in the things that we've obtained? I've got a good 401k plan. I work for the Teamsters Union. I've got, I can retire today. I'm good. Everything we've attained in this world, can I tell you, it will not sustain us into the future if we don't apply God to it. I don't care how much you've saved. I don't care how much you've accomplished. If we don't put God in the center of it, it will all come to naught. It will all come to naught. Let's go to Job. 
You give me another hour, I'll be done. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Job 27, 1 through 6, then Job continued his discourse. Maybe God healed me today because I don't have my glasses while I'm preaching. This is a miracle, I promise. (laughs) Then Job continued his discourse and said, as God lives who has taken away my right and the Almighty who has embittered my soul, for as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils, my lips certainly will not speak unjustly, nor will my tongue mutter utter deceit. Far be it from me that I should declare your you write, till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast in my righteousness, and I will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. I'm going through a horrible situation, Job is saying, but I'm not going to let it push me back from understanding that your righteousness and your goodness and your mercy endures forever. I understand that you are my shepherd. I shall not want You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. All these things are here even in the midst of my circumstances. I'm still worshiping and I'm still praising you because I'm overcoming disappointment. I'm going to disappoint disappointment. I'm going to release my appointment from being disappointed. And Job's wife has had this bad reputation in church over the years, and I just want to deal with this because God gave me this some years ago. It was like, just curse God and die, right? Then I thought about all of the things that Job's wife was missing. She doesn't have children. She doesn't have cattle. She doesn't feel like she has any significance any longer. So some of us will worship God from the place of where we feel significant. But can I tell you something? It's never about us feeling significant. It's always about him being all-sufficient. We've preached this gospel in Western civilization around, you know, uh, yeah, grace abound towards you. You're going to be great, and all your days are filled. And all. But sometimes suffering is a part of the prescription. Sometimes suffering is the journey where God gets his greatest glory. Paul went to him thrice and hey, I've got this, this thing going on with me. I've got, a, I've got a thorn in my flesh. Can you help me? He says, I'm going to help you with grace, and it's going to be sufficient for you. And where you're weak, I'm going to be strong in you. Just like God. Just like God. Are you still with me? Just like God. You know what? The thing that you want me to get rid of is probably more hurting more of your pride than it is your life. I can do more in you with that thing then I can't without it. I'm going to let you keep it, but I'm going to make sure that people see the glory of me in you through the thing that is binding you. And as a result of it binding you seemingly, you're going to overcome and people are going to say, wow, it's got to be God. It's just amazing how he works. It's amazing. In the midst of this Luke passage that Pastor Dan's been preaching Luke 14, 25 through 35 is going to be the next one, I believe. And we look at all of the things in there. Like, we've got to count the cost. We've got to bear our cross. We've got to give up everything. We've got to cease for the cause of Christ. And that's not the part of the message that we like so much. We don't want to really hear that part of the, of the sermon. We don't want to talk about the giving up part. We want to know what God can give us. We're consumers of the gospel. Because God's supposed to make all my, my life perfect. He's supposed to make things right when I came to him. And sometimes we say, well, it seems like since I hooked up with him, things haven't gone so well. But how far have you advanced in him? I'm going to close with this. It's our final slide, Rick. Thank you, brother. 
This is our prayer. God, would you reveal and renovate my fears? Reveal and renovate my fears. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for some things. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. Peace of this world? The shalom peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. You can't figure it out. Can't, it's not logic. You can't rationalize it. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So our prayer today is reveal and renovate my fears. Reveal to me and renovate my fears. And I, be, I believe that you will be able to overcome disappointment because you'll have a new lens on how well you are. Think about it. We all in this room, most of us, and if you can't, I believe resources are around you that you can go to the refrigerator and pick what you want to eat, that you have a key to a home or an apartment that you can walk in and you can control the climate with air or heat, that you have multiple pairs of shoes that you can pick from. Matter of fact, you may spend more time picking out the shoes than actually picking a shoe. Outfits, unlimited. Children healthy. And if they're not healthy, on the way to being healed. The things that you got away with in your past life, the fact that you have your mind, you're in your right mind, the things that you suffered. Some of you have gone through horrific things and God has brought you out and left no residual on you. Whew. The people that he vindicated you against, the people that you were able to go back in their faces that hurt you so deeply and so bad and say, God bless you and I love you. You don't think that's God? Before we overcome disappointment, let's, let's income on what God has done for us. Some of you have been so mistreated. But as a result, the ministry that has birthed from you, the people you can talk to, the people that come to you for advice and wisdom, some of you were introverts who wouldn't even say anything and much less get up here and sing a song. God has done so much for us. Some of us didn't grow up with parents that were saved, and how did we get saved? Because we grew up in agnostic households. He's done so much. He loves you. He loves us unconditionally. Well, I'm going to close the last door. And say to you, wherever you feel disappointed, I want you to pour in the Word of God to that place where you feel like you've been overlooked and injustice has taken a portion for you. The thing that bothers you deeply, I want you to see it as God's greatest work in you and through you. Will you with me? Will you with me in this moment?
say, God, I don't feel that things have been fair toward me, but I want to release it to you. I want to release it to you. I sense in my heart someone says, I've been in a marriage for so many, so many years, but I'm, we are coexisting. But I want love to burn again between us. And I don't see how it's going to happen. Would you give it to God? Give it to God. I was abused by that, church, that person who I so trusted. That parent, that uncle, that, that person who respected your nose prior, but just on that one occasion said, no, I'll take advantage of you. Can you release it to God? Release them? By no means do I want to be superficial and whitewash this over, but I do want to say this. In your release, it also may require counseling if we're applying wisdom. But let counseling be on your journey to release. Father, it just seems like I'm always overlooked. I have so many gifts. And it seems like I'm always picked last. Can I tell you that in the moment of your baptism, the heavens opened up and a dove came down, which is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. This is my son or daughter who I'm well pleased. So I picked you before you weren't picked. You are my first round draft pick. You beat millions of other opportunities and I selected you. When you before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So I did pick you first. God, I just want to be married or I, whatever it is you're saying. Turn it over to Jesus. Ask him, help me overcome my disappointment. The places I've been so deeply hurt and do a miraculous work in my life. In Jesus' name.